Lord is doing some good things, and we are baptizing 22 children in the next seven days. Praise God. That is so good. Oh, it is such a great time to rejoice. We, have, we are in a series called Being Kingdom-Minded. Everybody say kingdom minded. And, it, and it's playing off a series that we concluded before, which was the favor of God, which has just been so good. And if you're saying, man, the favor of God, what is that? Or maybe you do know what that is and you want it. I just encourage you to catch us on our podcast and Kingdom Minded the last two weeks is up on our podcast as well, just to get you ready. And even if you're here today, and you're just like, listen, I've never been here. I've been caught up. Am I going to be able to follow along? Absolutely. We want the best for you. And, we, and, and the Lord wants the best for you too. And he says, if, if you will lean into me and you will get to know me, I will show supernatural favor on your life. Those moments where you just can't go any further, those moments where you need somebody, but you don't have them. He says, I will be that guide. I will introduce you to those people and I will show favor and prosper you in, in all kinds of ways, your network, your resources, your relationships. He wants the best because that's how we have been created to have a relationship with him. And most importantly, to have a relationship with people. He says that that is an equal an equal uh, rule guideline that he has incorporated into our lives. And so we began to say, you know, like, what is kingdom-minded? Why would we want to be kingdom-minded? Being kingdom-minded is when you're waking up in these moments in whatever season of life that you're in, and you're simply saying, man, I'm feeling like my nine to five is just my life. Not necessarily your like, job per se, but just the same mundane routine day after day. And you're just like, it's numbing. It's a cycle. I want more in my life. And so we said, well, are you asking yourself, are you kingdom-minded? Because if you are kingdom-minded, you won't feel that way and you'll feel fulfilled and I think that's what we were coming from was hey listen are you feeling unfulfilled and what's scary sometimes is that some of us hopefully a majority of us whether you're or if you're a believer or not a believer that's okay we're, we're super pumped that you're here but if you're saying I'm feeling unfulfilled and I do know Jesus as my Lord and Savior Ryan what could possibly be going on in my life that would make me feel this way and we said are you kingdom minded because when you are the Lord says he will in, in fact come and fulfill you and so we're in our third uh, third week of being kingdom minded but I wanted to recap something because Jesus says in Mark that uh, he had his apostles around him right his disciples and he says as I'm leaving you I'm commissioning you not to just be a missionary not just to be a really cool believer, not just a fun person to be around, but I'm commissioning you to walk in the authority that I've given you. And when we realize as a church, as a body, what that authority feels like, you can do amazing things. You can change the destiny. You can change your fate. You can change the circumstances that you're in. And we began to say, well, listen, this is how you become fulfilled. This is how you receive the favor of the Lord. This is how you become kingdom-minded. And when we realize what kind of power resonates inside of us because of who Jesus is and the spirit that he gives us, the things we can supernaturally do. And you're saying, are you telling me that I can do, I can change the outcome if I will simply understand what it means to be, um, to be compelled and, and to recognize and realize the authority Jesus has put in me? And I'm, and I'm saying exactly that. That you can change things supernaturally. Ryan, is this one of those hokey pokey churches where like, no, no, I'm saying that Jesus is bigger than your problem. I'm saying that Jesus can come in and whenever there's something going on, you can say, this is an issue in my life, but God came in and changed it. But, but God came through prayer, but God came through healing, but God came and changed my circumstances. That is supernatural ability. And without that, we are left here to defend ourselves in a very dark, twisted world. We are. 
And without it, we're going, to, we're going to walk into stuff and we're going to feel blind and we're going to keep going to one bad relationship to the next, one, one unsuccessful, un, one unfulfilled job to the next, one to the next, one to the next. And we're saying if you will simply understand what it means to, be, to have that authority of Jesus inside of you, the things you can do for the kingdom of God, but you've got to ask yourself, am I being kingdom-minded? And when you understand the authority that Jesus has put inside of you because of who he is, you can change the destiny and you can change the fate. And so we're talking about that. So King Solomon, he's saying, hey, listen, are you in that circumstances? Are you in that season of life where everything, you feel like nothing changes, the sun rises, the sun sets, it hurries around, it rises again, the wind blows, it's just like nothing new is underneath the sun. He says, are we walking with the authority that Jesus has put inside of us? And they were to accompany him, and he would send them out to preach, giving them the authority to cast out demons. Man, I hope you're ready for church. I hope you're ready for church. I pray that no matter what your week has been like, you can come today and say, I leave it all at the door. I check it all at the door. And I say, Jesus, whatever you want for me in my life, I am ready to receive it. It's one thing to hear it. It's another to receive it, which means we're going to have to change. But that's because Jesus has our best intentions ready for us. He says, I know what the best thing is for you. Will you receive it? And will you do the hardest thing? Will you go from here to hear and begin to make those changes. If you're with me, say amen. amen. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus, and Lord, we say you are so good. You are so good, and you have blessed us, and Lord, even in those moments where it does not feel like a blessing, we know that you are still there because you will have the best intentions for us. You have a plan. You have a purpose to guide us, to reach us, so that we can be used to reach other people. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Lord, you are using us to bring heaven to earth for your glory. We love you. Amen and amen. Let me share something with you. Maybe you've grown up your entire life and you say, well, yeah, I know of prayer, but maybe you don't actually understand what prayer is. Prayer can single-handedly change everything that's happening in your life. You can wake up one morning knowing what your day is going to fulfill, but when you get on your hands and knees and you get with some, hey, listen, don't just pray alone. Pray with people. Pray with people. If you don't have one person in your life where you're saying, when things hit the fan, who am I going to ask to pray for me? There are people in my life where I say, the first person that's getting called is on my speed. The first person, one, is my mother. And the second person is Mary Harbison, right? And when I have those two women praying for me, anything is possible. Right, and so we begin to say, so last, let me give you a testimony a little bit. You like testimonies? I like stories, right? Listen, last week we came right down here to Please, the altar. Right, right here we said, listen, Billy Pollock is going in for surgery because he's got cancer in his, in, in his lungs. Prayed all week long, and Candy came down here and, and stood in for him and interceded, and after the surgery, he is cancer-free today. Right? He is recovering and resting at Baptist down in Louisville, and I'm telling you, it's because God said, I've got things for you. We came down here as a church, and we prayed, and things began to move, and things began to shake. And we're not just praying for divine healing. We're praying for the right people to be in that right surgery room with the right hands to be idle, to say, listen, today is one of those days, but for some reason, I can't explain it. I'm feeling empowered. I'm feeling a peace of mind that, I'm, that, that supersedes all my understanding. I've got a lot of things going on in my life, but right now, as I'm over this man right here, I can't explain it, but something is going to go right today. And he came out of that cancer-free. Amen? When you, when we, the church, come together and we do the power of prayer, it changes things. So no matter what you got going on or what you think prayer is, let me tell you, it's bigger than you and me, and ain't that the place to be? You want to be a part of something that's bigger than you. Don't be something that where you can do it on your own. That's boring. There's no risk. There's no glory in that. Be a part of something that's bigger, and that is being kingdom-minded. So let me define with you what kingdom-minded is. Kingdom-mindedness, right, 
means being heavenly minded or being eternity focused. Is what I'm doing today going to build heaven? Is what I'm doing today going to build and bring somebody closer to Jesus? Is what I'm doing today introducing somebody into an intimate relationship with Jesus for the first time? And no matter where you're working, that's where you've been called. That's your ministry field. And that's powerful. He could have called anybody else to come what you're doing. Even if you wake up and you say, this is mundane, this is a numbing cycle, I don't want to be a part of this, I really want to do another job. But at that moment, in this time, God's got something amazing and great for you to do something and to be effective. I love that part about that. And that is beginning to understand the authority that we have. So we, we talked about the power of prayer, and we talked about the power of individuals, but let's talk about the power of the church, because listen, when, when church comes together, believing and preaching and teaching, that's when revival breaks out. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I think we could use a revival. I do. I think the church is coming together Let's, let's take those, not, those, those denominations, let's just kick that to the side, okay? We love Jesus. We love Jesus and we love people. After that, details. Even Paul says, don't major on the minors, don't minor on the majors. There are some things worth talking about, and there are some things that are just like, listen, let's just, let's just introduce this person to Jesus, let's get them discipled, let's get them living for the Lord, and then let's keep moving, right? Being kingdom-minded. So what happens when the church comes together? So we began to talk about this. This is where we kind of left off last week. The power of the church. You here today are a power of the church. Churches in America, churches worldwide, the power of the church. When churches come together and they put their, their, their walls down, they say, what can we do for the kingdom? People find Jesus. And the kingdom starts to build. And so I just, we, we began to investigate this a little bit. I want to read this verse with you about what the power of the church can do from within us starting and then what we can do outside. So 1 Peter 4, 8 says this. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. Can we do that? Can we begin to just say, hey, listen, you offended me, I offended you, but there's too many people going to hell right now. Let's go get together and let's go do something about it. We said last week that we did, this, we did the math, we did the statistics, between two to four seconds, somebody in this world dies and enters the, hates of, uh, the gates of hell. We don't have time for division within the church. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. That means we're going to have to give forgiveness out a lot. Right? Knock your spouse out a little bit. I've, you're going to have to forgive me a lot. For love covers a multitude of sins. Then I love this next word. Cheerfully, cheerfully share your home. Oh, my pastor told me I had to invite you over for dinner, so I guess you ought to just come on over and I'll throw something in the microwave. We'll nuke it. Right? Come on over. Be a host. Can I give you a piece of advice or a word of encouragement? In your life as a believer, always play the role of the host, not the guest. Anybody can be a guest. Serve me. What can you do for me? What can the church do for me? What can the church people do for me? What can this community do for me? Me, me, me. Hey, listen, if you want to see a difference, be the difference. Right? Come on over, man. I'll treat you right. I'll, I'll offer you some water. Off. It's so Come on over. We'll talk. We'll connect. The ability to change somebody can be done in conversation. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. God has given you each a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. I'm telling you, we get too hung up on one spiritual gift if we agree with it or disagree. There's a slew more, man. There's so much more than just one. I don't know what I feel about speaking in tongues. So let's focus on the other 19. Hospitality, administration, the ability to love and then put your arm around somebody and say, hey, dude, I love you. Let's do something together. Let's read the Bible together. Let's, let's go out and minister together. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well 
to serve one another. When you decide that you're going to step forward and serve the kingdom of God, brace yourself, God's going to use you. Be careful what you pray for. And my prayer for you is this, Lord, use me. Use me however you want. We don't have spiritual resumes. Well, I'm only going to do this one thing. I'm only going to serve you in this one department. You just limit yourself on what God can do within you. The greatest strength you may ever possess is something you don't want to do. What a terrible thing to, to, to die at the end of the day and say, well, Lord, you didn't really use me. And he's just like, oh, but man, I could have. If you would have just put your pride down and put your spiritual resume on, on the back burner, the things we could have done by the power of invitation. Because you know what the power of invitation leads to? The power of salvation. The power of salvation changes people. Let's talk about the power of salvation. I want you to take notes. Brian, I don't take notes. Hey, listen, I don't think the Spirit's done with you today. I think what maybe you are working through right now, you're going to be working through something else on Wednesday and Thursdays, and the Lord is going to speak to you right now for that day to come. So maybe you're not a note taker. Maybe today you are. Maybe today we say, Lord, I receive what? Oh, oh, toes. I receive what you have for me. The power of salvation. Let's talk about that. When you accept or we further the kingdom of God to bring salvation to somebody's doorstep, we give them the opportunity to be free from bondage. We know what bondage feels like. It's when you feel like there, are, there is no way out, that whatever you're doing in your life is keeping you in. Maybe it's a sin, maybe it's a relationship, maybe it's a job, whatever the case may be. You feel held, and there's nothing worse than feeling like you're going to suffocate. Is anybody claustrophobic in here? I hate being in tight spots. I hate being in tight spots, and that's what bondage feels like. It just feels like I'm just suffocating and suffocating and suffocating, and one of these things, I'm just going to die. But when you introduce somebody, when you say, hey, listen, I don't know if there's something going on in your life. This may sound weird. What do you have to lose, right? What do you have to lose when you invite somebody to church? Nothing. They already think you're weird. Now they know. <laughs> but when you say, hey, listen, I can't understand it. I think you're an awesome person. You want to hang out with me on Sunday? It's 1045. It's nearly almost noon. We'll grab lunch. It's on me. Anyone can be anywhere by noon. Anyone can be anywhere by 11 o'clock. You don't have to live in bondage. You can start living in freedom. Everybody say freedom. If you've never experienced freedom before, man, I can't tell you what you're missing. It is so amazing. Let me read something to you out of Galatians 3.22. This is so powerful. I'm going to read it twice, break it down just a little bit. But scripture, okay, that's the word of God that he has given to us that cannot ever be wrong. We build our lives on this. But Scripture has locked up everything under the control of sin. You do not have to play by the rules of this world anymore when you say, Jesus, I do. All of that power that sin had over you can now be broken. You are now giving an opportunity to be life-changed forever and have the authority to walk in Jesus. And when you start understanding what prayer is and the power of encouragement and speech and the power of salvation, and the power of the church, your life will be radically changed forever. And I have no doubt that there are hundreds of thousands of people in America who would say, I know Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior, and they don't know the power of the authority that they have, or could have. And when we come together and we say, well, listen, let me introduce you what actually happened when you first accepted Jesus. You may not have even known it, but this is powerful. But Scripture has locked up everything under the control of sin. You are no longer bound by Satan. You're no longer bound by darkness or evil or any kind of sin. You can now live free if you choose to. So that was what was promised. 
being given through faith in Jesus Christ, might be given to those who believe. You know what this does for us? It makes us aware. Self-awareness is the greatest leadership characteristic you will ever possess. If you know what needs to change and where you're wanting to go, the Lord will continue to open up your eyes. And so as you're living your lifestyle, what will happen when you start to lean into Jesus and lean into righteousness and lean into the power of salvation? He'll begin to reveal things about yourself that needs to change. And when you realize what needs to change, when the Spirit starts convicting you of what needs to change, the hardest part is saying, okay, I'm going to begin to change. This is where majority of believers never get past. They say, well, I accepted Jesus, and that's just going to have to be enough. And you're not experiencing the freedom, the full effect of freedom Jesus has came and died for you for. Total freedom. I remember when Tristan and I became debt-free in Arizona. We lived in an apartment. We paid a tens of thousands of dollars off just eating rice and beans. And I know what those loans look like, man. Mohila was a huge loan. It had been around so long that it was like more of a pet dog. We called him Mohila. Hey, Mohila. Hey, Mohila. But man, when we started just to roll and snowball that effect and getting debt-free and getting debt-free, we woke up one day and we just said, holy smokes, we don't owe anything to anybody. Imagine the things we can do now. And that's what Jesus did for you. You were bound by so many different things that put, listen, I know finances put burdens on people. Come on. We fight more about finances than we do anything else. Jesus talks about finances second to the kingdom of God more than anything else. It's a big deal. But when those chains fall off and we say, holy smokes, I'm going to experience all the freedom that God has made, built, and died for in my life now, the power of salvation. I don't have to be locked down by sin anymore. There's no control. Everything that the Bible promised me can come to me and will be given to me through the faith in Jesus Christ so that it might be given to those who believe. And when Jesus comes in your heart, he's going, to be, he's going to begin to reveal things to you about your lifestyle and your self-awareness. There's going to be some unrighteousness in your life that you're going to need to adjust. And you're, you're going to need to lean into that and take care of that. There's going to be some sin. There's going to be some problematic stuff. I love this part. This is so, listen, if you are leaning into Jesus and life is getting harder, you're doing it right. Okay? Some people say, that sounds awful. Why would I get closer to Jesus? Because you're getting closer to being complete. You're getting closer to promises. You're getting closer because once all, what you're doing is, is you're breaking off the bondages in your life. It's harder to, it's easy, anyone can wear bondage. You just kind of walk around all down and you feel that extra weight and you get used to it before you know it. You don't realize all of the extra work your body's having to do. But when you begin to break those things, things begin to change. You're like, this is kind of harder. I thought it'd be better. But then there's going to be a moment where you are free and free indeed is a promise that God gives us. And then you will be able to experience and taste and see that God is good. When you don't live in bondage anymore, you don't have to live in shame anymore. All the time, we let shame contradict our life and our future. You know it to be true. I can't do this because of what I've done. I can't do this because of what I've done. This is making me feel terrible. People know my past. 
This is my shame. This is my shame. This is my guilt. Let me tell you something today. When you accept Jesus in your heart and you get freedom, you don't have to be shamed anymore and you don't have any more guilt because Jesus died and paid for that for you. Right? You don't have, so no matter what your past, no matter what your history is, if you just simply say, by the power of Jesus Christ inside of me, I no longer owe anything anymore. There's no more bondage. There's no more shame. Let me read this to you. Romans 5, 5. And hope does not put us to shame. Do you know what hope is in the Bible? It's Jesus. Jesus is actually the biblical translation of hope. Now listen, there's a difference between hoping and wishing. I wish for a better day. That's awesome. That's you. That's you hoping or wishing that you are capable of doing what's necessary to make your life great. It will disappoint you. That I assure you. It will disappoint you time and time again. But when you put your faith in Jesus, there is no more shame. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Let me tell you what shame does to you. Shame keeps you silent. Shame keeps you at a distance. Shame keeps you discouraged. And shame keeps you feeling at your absolute lowest and worst. Think about that. Let me repeat that real fast. Because if this reflects what you're feeling, you're struggling to deal with shame. And that's because we don't recognize the authority that Jesus Christ is in our life. Shame keeps you silent. Shame keeps you at a distance. Shame keeps you discouraged, and shame makes you feel terrible. And Jesus said, you do not have to live with that. And when we as a church come together, the power of church, when we say, listen, I'm going to get one person every week. I'm going to see one person get saved every 30 days. I don't care if you're at Walmart or Target or Hobby Lobby, whatever the case is. If you're out there and you're furthering the kingdom of God, imagine what one does. Imagine what a town can do. That is revival. It, a revival is when it cannot be kept silent. And that's when we start preaching that you don't have to have shame. And there are lots of identities and organizations that say, shame and guilt, shame and guilt, shame and guilt, do what I want you to do. And Jesus says, none of that is in the Bible. And I didn't come to die for any of that. I came to die for you. So that you wouldn't be in bondage, so that you wouldn't be in shame anymore. Now let me share two quick thoughts with you. Wherever God leads you, wherever God, however God uses you, he will call you. And hear me on this. Some of you need to hear this. If God has called you to do something that's bigger than you and you're scared spitless, he will sustain you. He will not call you somewhere and then leave you and abandon you. And I think we can all relate to that to a certain extent. Dear God, what have I done? Where have you taken me? What have I gotten myself into? Holy smokes, Jesus, are you sure this is you? When you are questioning God, that's how you know you're in the right place. God, are you sure? <laughs> like, you see what this is, right? Like, I'm not saying I'm God, but like, God, this is me, right? He's like, yes, this is you. I've called you here for this place and this time, and now I'm going to do one more better. I'm going to sustain you. I'm going to give you everything you need. That's what he tells Peter. I've given you everything you need to be successful. I've given you everything you need. And you say, Lord, you have not. And he says, yes, I have. Keep leaning in. Don't let that shame get you. Don't let that guilt get you. Don't let that past get you. Let me get you. Let me get you. God will supernaturally use you, and then he will sustain you.
Philippians 1.6, being confident of this. Everybody say confident. That's a word that we probably don't say a lot in our daily routine. You don't wake up and you say, I'm confident. You say, here's another day. Here's another dollar. Dear Lord, I hope the kids aren't screaming. Hope there's some food in the fridge. Another day, another problem, whatever the case may be. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on completion. He's not done with you until he's done with you. And when he's done with me, Jesus, call me home, ready to go. We're in our 30s, but man, we feel like we're in our late 60s. Absolutely. Lord, when you're done and you've completed me, what you called me to do, you sustained me and you gave me everything I needed to be complete. Lord, I've done my duty. I'm ready to go. Good and faithful sermon. Jesus, call me home. There's no greater way to go. Completion until the day of Jesus Christ. I'll leave you with this last thought. When God calls you, supernaturally calls you and sustains you, this is the crazy part, right? So we're, we're kind of building our foundation. We're building on what is possible. We're building on the authority that God puts inside of us when we accept his son as our personal Lord and Savior, as our Messiah. When we begin to understand and tap the authority of who Jesus is inside of us, the impossible becomes possible. How many times in your life has somebody told you it cannot be done and it was? How many times has discouragement come over you and God says, don't worry about that, I'm dealing with them. Let me handle this. You are mine today, and we can do this together. The impossible becomes possible. Matthew 19, 26. Who then can be saved? Everybody. Everybody can tap into this. Jesus, sometimes he will let you sit with that train of thought so that you can recognize and understand what you just said. We don't say to say, well, Lord, now that I said that, I feel like a good person, man. I just hope that maybe you'll come in. No, Lord, if you don't step in and do this, if you don't show up by this time, or if you don't show up a little bit later, or you don't show up a little bit sooner, this is not going to happen. He goes, that is completely true. Why don't you think about that for a little bit? Man, I tell you what, your prayer life will go through the roof. You start to understand that, right? Your fasting will start to go through the roof. Okay, Lord, I said it. You recognized it. The problem still stands. That it does. You ready to get your hands dirty? You ready to go in the trenches? You ready to do what I've called you to do? Absolutely. Let's get it done. Let's get it done. Who can then be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Amen. Amen.